What's up everyone, welcome to the second ever episode of the Noise Podcast. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I am joined by my very good friend and Mrs. Cynical himself, Mr. Samuel Lewis. How are you getting on, Sam? We are doing very, very well. After three hours sleep and a rather large pizza, I do feel feel more like myself than I did about eight hours ago, I'll tell you that. Yeah, we had a Saturday, didn't we? Jeez. <laughs> yes, we did. So, like, when we got home earlier, I, I thought I was going to sleep for just an hour. Uh, and that was at one o'clock, Sam, and I woke up at uh, half five. Yeah, I see about the same for me, mate. I had... um. I had some sandwiches when I got in, and I was like, you know what, maybe wake up at three, play some games, plan some lessons, do all that sort of stuff. Five to five rolls around, and I just sort of like shoot up out of a coma. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you entirely. I'm with you entirely. It was a, it was a well worthwhile weekend, but my god, wasn't it? My just, god, wasn't it just? This is a rock and metal podcast brought to you by noise.co.uk. A few things I wanted to uh, clear up from the first episode, which we set up to, uh, which we posted, sorry, uh, two weeks ago. First of all, I wanted to thank everyone that listened to it and gave me feedback on it. Uh, me and Sam really, really appreciate that. Um, there was a few questions that I'll just uh, roll off now. Uh, some people were asking if we were ever going to put it on Spotify. Um, if the demand gets there for that, then I guess that's an avenue that we would look to go down. Uh, others were asking if we'd ever consider doing it weekly again. Again, you know, if the demand uh, becomes there, then that's something that we'd consider. Um, I think the two-week thing works for us at the moment. Well, it's only the second episode, but it's going to work for us going forward in terms of when there's something big that's out in a week where we're not doing a, uh, a podcast, we're going to do specific episodes just for that one anyway, such as the Bring Me The Horizon album, which we're going to do a, a podcast for uh, for next week. And then... Others were just uh, saying uh, how how much they enjoyed it, and again, I want to thank everyone for listening and just uh, letting us know that you actually cared to listen, um, because me and Sam were uh, happily we would happily do this uh, to get two views every two weeks, but uh, much more than that, um, like views in the, in three figures. So that's wicked. Uh, it means a lot to us. We're going to keep going for it as long as we can. Uh, we're going to make it as big as we possibly can, and we're going to work on bringing you. The, uh, the best interviews, best features that we can, and where possible, the best reviews and most cynical reviews from Sam as well. That is his job, remember? <laughs> I, I completely agree. I think it's really nice that people have got in contact with the podcast, sort of engaged with it and connected with it. Um, the Spotify idea, again, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you as the demand increases. I'd love to be available on those sort of um, those sort of places as well. But it's nice, really, that somebody else wants to listen to the conversations that really should only be reserved to nightclubs outside rock clubs. Yeah. Um, smoking areas where we just shout at each other about bands. It's nice that somebody thinks that's worth a listen. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm well in for that. I just appreciate that people are listening again. That's really, really cool. A few things I wanted to mention before we get into the show. Uh, it'd be great if you could give this video a like on YouTube. You'd be surprised how much that helps us out, actually. Uh, it puts us up in the search engine, engine optimization. The more likes, the more likely someone is to stumble across the video who wasn't intentionally searching for it. Uh, subscribe to the Noise uh, YouTube channel. Again, massive help for us. That is, uh, we're just trying to build this um, platform uh, as big as we possibly can. We do merch now, which is wicked. I don't know whether you've seen the t-shirts, but they are up at noise.bigcartel.com. £15.50 and you get a free beanie as well. What do you want, bro, for £15.50? Come on now. They're actually banging as well. And they're actually, oh, they're... And they're actually really good designs, yeah, I've got to say. Really, uh, really I, honestly, I'm not even being biased there. The design's actually really good. Completely agreed, man. I can't wait to get one myself. 
Cardiff Music Awards. Now, this website was actually created by mine and Sam's uh, very good friend and uh, boss, I suppose, which you'll probably like us saying, uh, Jack Holloway, <laughs> uh, who is based in Cardiff, or near Cardiff, should I say. Um, yeah, the Cardiff Music Awards is like an annual thing where people vote to nominate um, uh, best band, live band, but there's also uh, a part for best music publication. So uh, the Noise uh, Facebook page has shared it quite a bit, and we've done it on Twitter, and I've shared it myself. But if you go to CardiffMusicAwards.com and give us a vote, uh, sorry, and give us a nomination, best music publication, that'd be great. Uh, we were nominated for it in 2017, I believe, and we just missed out. So I think we, we second or third, I think we finished uh, one of the two. Um, but it'd be great if we could get nominated again. It'd be amazing if we could win again. Just more exposure for the site because we've got a great team that works really hard uh, and we, they deserve all the recognition that they can get. So, Sam, on to today's show. Yes, indeed. We've got another stacked one. I know, it's a great episode today. Me and Sam went to see Architects last night. And my word, have we got a review to give you on that one. <laughs> I'd love to just dedicate this episode. Yeah, I think I've just about got my own press back. <laughs> I'd love to dedicate this episode entirely to that architect show. Holy shit, it was incredible. Uh, yeah, but we're going to get into that. Um, Sam, uh, Metal Hammer readers have voted for the 50 best Metallica songs. Okay. Now, I am not going to go through list 1 to 50 because that would be absurd. What I will do is tell you what the top five were. Um, yeah, okay. And I th- I, I, I'm, I'm into it. I, okay. I, can, um, I can agree. There was a slam dunk and so much on quicker going to go over. A bit of news about Jesse Leach, uh, that's the lead singer of Killswitch Engage, yeah. stepping away from social media for a while. And there was a new story on the hardest touring bands of 2018. And I'm telling you now, if you're listening, you're not going to get who was number one because I, <laughs> I had absolutely no idea. Then we're going to do a review on the new Wars EP. Uh, which is out on the 25th of January, and the new album from Puppy, which is also out on the 25th of January. Um, so again, um, we're going to do that. We're going to do these reviews for the album, before the uh, records come out. Uh, just let you know what we're thinking. We'll always take a listen for yourself, man. Uh, although me and Sam try and make you think exactly what we think, <laughs> it's <laughs> always better to formulate your own opinions. So, so <laughs> now if I said to you that Fade to Black is not number one on this right. uh, Metal Hammer feature, what would you say you would expect to be number one? Um, that's fair enough. Like My favourite tune is Fade to Black, but like, I can understand that there are more um, significant ones. Um, is it what's the, back, what's the vote for? Best? 50 best Metallica songs as voted for by Metal Hammer readers. I am going to okay. give you a list from five to one, uh, but I was just curious what you, what in your mind's eye, what you thought would be number one. It'd be either Master Puppets or Enter Sandman. Fifth was Creeping Death. My goodness, what a banger. Yes, incredible. Fourth was For Whom the Bell Tolls. My goodness, what a banger. (laughs) Third was Fade to Black. My goodness, what a banger. (laughs) Second was One. My goodness, what a banger. Yeah. And uh, first was Master of Puppets. My goodness, what a banger. Um, Literally, five of the greatest metal songs ever written. Uh, by the greatest metal band ever. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, I can, I can, I can agree with that top five, man. I really can. Oh yeah, I, I heartily agree. I think, um, I think, I think Master of Puppets is by far their pre-Black Album signature song. And so I think intelligently that's, that's, written. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's beautifully written. 
that being said, though, I remember, you, I remember having that idle argument about Roy the Lightning and Master Puppets, and you were saying you preferred Roy, and I was saying I preferred Master Puppets. If you were if you were on the Roy the Lightning bandwagon, which I am not, but if you were, you could definitely point to something like this as basis for your opinion, couldn't you? Where you say, yeah. well, actually, three of the be- three of the best five Metallica songs are actually on Roy the Lightning. Um, but yeah, I, I think. Give or, give or take a few of the songs. You were never going to get fucking frantic on this list, were you? Um, <laughs> nah. So like, there was like a list of like seven or eight songs that you're going to get interchanged in the top five, and I'd have been like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like if, if Sad But True was on air, I'd be like, okay. If uh, End Sandman was on air, I'd be like, I understand. Seek and Destroy. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I th- and, uh, and everything else would be absolutely fine. Battery. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have battered an island at that either. So... I think Metallica have got ten songs or so. We like that could be the greatest Metallica song of all time. Yeah, yeah. And any, and if you just spoke to someone in a bar and said, "Well, actually, what I think the best Metallica song is this," if someone turned around to me and said, "My favorite Metallica song, and I think the best Metallica song is Welcome Home Sanitarium," I wouldn't hate that for you. No. But like, oh, fair enough. Go you, bro. If someone turned around and said, "My, I think the greatest Metallica song is is Creeping Death," I'd be like, you know what? That's fucking shout. Shout, mate. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, any anyone else? I think I think. I think it's good. I think if you ask the Kerrang uh, or Rock Sound readers to vote for their favourite Metallica song, I think the number one response would have been like "Who" or, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or or like one of one of their newer songs, like "The Day That Never Comes" or something. It, well, the one, the only thing that I was a bit surprised was is that on this list, Orion finished above um, Blackened, uh, which That's, I, I okay. don't get it. I ain't getting it. Yeah, but um, again, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's lots of music. Love that was no matter how. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, music is perception, yeah. So, um, obviously, it's in the high, it's in the eye of the beholder. Um, for me, Blackened, <laughs> so for me, Blackened to be top three. Uh, but again, you know, uh, it was just interesting to see um, what the top five were. Yeah, you know, I'm sure within a year they'll release another top fifty list of Metallica songs because you know these kind of feature articles do come around quite often. Uh, but and yeah, we'll I'll argue about it again. We'll argue about it again. Yeah, and we'll argue about it forever. That's our job. <laughs> Slam Dunk Festival have added uh, a new list of bands onto the lineup. Now, Slam Dunk isn't going to be in Birmingham this year, for the f- or in the Midlands, should I say, for the first time uh, in a while. It's only going to be in Leeds and London. And from the looks of it, the money that they're saving by only running two venues, uh, they are spending on a very, very solid lineup. Um, added to the lineup. This week, sorry, uh, was Milk Teeth, Milk Teeth, sick underground rock band. Yeah. Treyu, Waystar, Real Friends, Seaway, Pagan, Word Alive, The Bronx, Cancer Bats, and Angel Dust. Now, what I can say is I've caught the very end of a Cancer Bats show before. Before I was actually into them. Fucking wild. They are they are a sick hardcore band, and they have done a cover of Sabotage by the Beastie Boys, of which I ram down Sam's throat every time that we're in a, an area, that, every time that we're in an area where we can drink and listen to music. I select that song to put on because it's just such a banger. I absolutely um, adore it. Waster are, are, are a sick pop punk band. I'm into them, and Seaway had a great first album and not a very good second album. Uh, but they're joining the, the lineup that's already announced. is strong man for Slam Dunk. All time lower headlining, Bullet for My Valentine sub headlining. Then you got bands like Bad Religion, which is you know it's a nice addition for Slam Dunk there. Then you got Glassjaw, which are a, a sick hardcore band. The Menzingers, unbelievable rock band they are. Um, I'd love to see them. You got Knocked Loose. Um, which is a terrifying 
to think about. Fuck me. Um, to think that Leeds is an outdoor show, I believe. Fuck me. There's going to be blood on the fucking speakers and not lose for that. <laughs> then you've got uh, Anti-Flag, Gallows, Story of the Year. Solid, solid lineup from um, from Slam Dunk this year. And as well, I've got to mention, band called Turnstile. Please watch them. They're fu- if you are going and you stumble across this uh, podcast, please watch Turnstile. I guarantee you have a good time. The riffs that they pull out, honestly, man, I've never heard such hard riffs that give you such ability to dance on in my life, man. Um, one day they will come on in mine and Sam's local uh, metal venue and um, there will be blood on the walls. Because I'll be, I'll be absolutely <laughs> fucking <laughs> ecstatic. Sam so just branching off of that. Um, I know that Sam, Sam Dunk isn't... Um, a festival that you particularly lose your mind over uh, regularly. Uh, if this was in the Midlands, we'd be going though, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, I think I'd have a perfectly reasonable time to this sort of event. I think um, there's enough bands on there that you could you could happily just sort of divvy around to. And and what I like about what I like about Slam Dunk on on this on this show, it does appear that they haven't tried to cater to one particular audience. They've really just tried to have a general collective where you're able to sort of. Get around for a variety of things if you if you want a if you want a bit of metalcore or you can sort of watch um, Bully for Valentine and sort of help them play the new uh, the older tunes and if you want to have some pop punk there's there as well if you want some hardcore punk there's where as well um, and if you want to have you if you want to have your jaw kicked in you can go watch Knock Loose uh, it's just it does everything doesn't it really and I like that it's it's a real shame it's not in the Midlands obviously those reasons we've discussed before which is uh, which is fair enough but. It's, it's a really good show, actually. It's like a really good festival on it this year. Hey, man, we were there last year. I got sent yeah. there, and you just came with me. And we had a great time, man. The lineup yes, wasn't was, wasn't specifically great for us, but we had a sick time. We got drunk, had a laugh. Uh, saw Creeper. Hey, we love Creeper, man. And um, it was the first <laughs> time I've, I've seen you, you actually... Creeper. I've seen it's the first time I've seen you actually enjoy them. They're Creeper on. No one actually knows what Creeper are actually doing at the moment, whether they've split up or whether it's going to merge itself into something else. But... We, it was the first time I've seen you literally enjoy them because I was on the bandwagon from day one and you were like, oh, I don't know, man. Like, I guess it's good, but I, I'm not massively in. It was the first yeah. time I've seen you actually enjoy them. So I think Slam Dunk, if you're in and around the area, is somewhere that you would enjoy going regardless if you're into that kind of music because it's just a laugh in the sun with your mates. However, I would also travel up for this lineup. I do think this is a sick lineup and they've um, they've nailed this so far. I've got to say, really good list of variety on that. I wholeheartedly agree, actually. I think they've done a really good job booking this. Just a quick one over this. Jesse Leach is stepping back from social media to deal with his mental health issues. Although he's still going to be touring, which I've got to say, I am relieved, considering in two weeks' time, me and Sam are going to be seeing Parkway Drive in Alexandra Palace, and they are supported by The Artist Murder and Kill Switch Engage, which means that we're going to have the greatest night of our lives. <laughs> yeah, Legitimately. Me. And if Killswitch Engage had to pull out, I'd understand if Jesse Leach is going through severe mental health issues, his health will always come first. But I would equally be very, very disappointed. And I'm, uh, I've got to say, commendable that he's acknowledging he's got these mental health issues, but he still wants to tour. He's saying that touring is part of what's keeping him okay. And that this step back is just to for a, for a while while he gets his thoughts back together collectively. And you do find musicians doing this more often social media is a haven for negativity unfortunately while it can be and often is a haven for positivity 
you get a lot of I get I guess you know, you know, you're in a band and you open up your um your Twitter, you look on your notifications and there's fifty people saying that, you know, they love you and then there's there's two or three people saying, Oh, I can't believe Jesse Leach took over from Howard, he sucks, da 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 and that can have an effect yeah. on you, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think if you're any sort of if you're having any sort of difficulty, I think social media exacerbates it. And I think it only takes a glance through modern social media anyway, regardless of who you follow and who you talk to. And it is just, quite frankly, a cesspit for the glorification of depression and mental illness and negativity. I think it is, at times, um, you look through it and you see a collection of, of folks that do often post on there and, and, and make, make mental health seem like, um, um, sort of seem like a joke or play it down or be euphemistic or, and, but, but it is a seriously, it's a seriously crippling thing and, and, and social media can be, can be the spark that lights the sort of dynamite of somebody's psyche there. Cause you're constantly available and you're constantly looking for gratification and on social media you, you present, you don't present yourself, you present like a version of yourself. Like it's like the ideal version of you. It's the movie you, I guess, is is one way of doing it. And you yeah. sort of, and that's constantly being bombarded, especially if you're in a position like Jesse, where there's a few thousand people that are interested in the things that he does and the things that he says. He's bombarded by feedback and people commenting and giving their various opinions. But I, I do, in general, think that by and large, social media is often used as a megaphone to air grievances on. And that that can that can that can sort of surround you like a cloud, and that sort of bring you down. I imagine with touring, and taking himself away from social media, Jesse can just wake up, focus on his show, go get, go around a city wherever they're playing, have a walk around, grab something to eat, play the show, talk to his bandmates, speak to his family, go to sleep, start again the next day, because it constantly occupies him. What I would worry about from an outsider perspective is what happens when he goes home if he's having mental difficulties where he's going to have to separate from social media because yeah. if you're taking that six to eight months off as bands often do you know it's a, it's a six month on six month off sort of job what are you going to do when you know when you're sort of sitting at home do you, you have to sort of funnel that into the writing and things like that so I do hope he gets hope he gets better and I think this movie's a positive one because um, there's been there's been a few times where myself I've considered deleting various social medias because of like the mood that it's put me in. I remember I've deleted I've deleted Snapchat before because I think it's a uh, I haven't gone on it for like a year. I think it's like a worthless social media to be honest. But never downloaded it. Um, it actually makes you a worse person, I believe. <laughs> I've never. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I I've never, never believe that. Like it, it convinces. I think it convinces people that it makes their ordinary lives incredibly interesting. But it also allows you to be incredibly creepy and um, it allows you more than any other social media to see what people are doing in that moment, in that instant, without without having to worry about interacting with them. And I think it, it can allow you to be a paranoid, un, un, unnecessarily uncomfortable person. Like this whole snap map, you can actually see on someone's snap map and see where in the world they are and where in the country they are at any given time. Yeah, not into that. It it it, it, make, it it makes you feel uncomfortable, and and like, and like I said, if I had to see one more three second clip of somebody playing a fucking song in their in their car while they're made badly made and the lyrics are long, like they're on like carpool karaoke, then I'd just throw my phone at the window. To be honest, so I think it was 
is best of the side for Vivian. But on, uh, that I'm branching off. So fair play, Jesse. I think it's a good move. I really think it's a good move, and I hope it works out for him. Yeah, cannot wait to see Kilsic engage in a couple of weeks. They are going to blow our tits off. I've only, I've only ever seen them once somehow, and that was when they supported Bullet from on Valentine. Chris, why do they always support bands? Why are they, what is this about? Hold that thought for in two weeks' time, and we're gonna we're gonna dissect that in two weeks. Okay, go right. that. that's fair. During when we do the re- review for Parkway, but yes, I, I have much to say on that issue. So that's another reason for you to listen in two weeks. <laughs> um, okay, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. But yeah, one hundred percent back this decision. It would probably do more musicians a favour if they followed in his footsteps and just stepped away from social media because if you're a person in the limelight, so much negativity on there. Even I, someone who I'm just a normal just a normal guy, uh, I stumble across negativity, not necessarily pointed at me, but I see negativity on social media so much that, you know, it could affect <coughs> my psyche. I mean, luckily it doesn't, but it easily could. So if you're a person in the spotlight who is loved and hated and you get both ends of that spectrum i wouldn't like it if one person a day was calling me a fucking arsehole saying shit at my job and i you know i suck and someone else is better than me regardless of whether 49 others told me they think i'm great it would bother me let alone getting that every single day so 100 percent back of the decision social media uh, is great in some cases and awful in others there is a very very clear 50 50 split i believe so i hope jesse uh, gets better as soon as possible. If he needs to delete social media to keep him in the band, then please do that, Jesse. <laughs> because I hate to see the day when you would leave Kilson Gage again because I, I, I do really like that band with him in it. I agree. I agree. Sam, the hardest touring bands of 2018. This blew okay. me away. I've got to say, mate, I mean, I... I... <laughs> I did not expect the these bands to be on this list. So what they've done is they've compiled the amount of miles that bands have travelled and the amount of shows they've played. They've done it for metal and they've done it for rock as well. Would you believe me, Sam, if on the rock list I told you that Foreigner played 105 <laughs> shows in 2018? <laughs> Who the fuck is going to Foreigner shows in 2018? <laughs> 105 of them? Oh, my God. 105 Foreigner shows in 2018. They were actually fourth on the list of rock, indie, folk, or alternative. Um, Number one was Escape the Fate with 131 shows and 81,539 miles travelled. Got to say, not a massive fan of Escape the Fate, but can't knock the work ethic. Although elsewhere on the list of like rock and uh, alternative bands were Franz Ferdinand, who played 98 shows. No, why are Franz Ferdinand still playing shows? Dashboard Confessional played 101 what? shows. Sleeping with Sirens, 110. Yeah, a list that was quite surprising. More so than the metal one. So if we move quickly onto the metal one. Um, Marilyn Manson somehow played 86 shows and travelled 38,000 miles. He's not well. And if he could stop playing metal shows soon, that'd be great. Uh, because I see videos of Marilyn Manson performing, and it, it, it's it's it, first of all he keeps fucking falling off the stage. He's needing oxygen. It's rough, man. He's made his money. I yeah, really prefer Marilyn okay. Manson what, touring what's he doing? Yeah, um, got this, mate. Judas Priest played eighty six shows as well, and, and yes, that Priest. is impressive. Fucking hell, how is Rob Halford still playing eighty six shows? At that at that sort of intensity as well. That means he's been screeching. <laughs> 86 shows this year oh my god there's that's thousands and thousands of dogs that he's probably 
really upset on, on various, various stops of the show, but but fair fucking play. The, the foreigner one's blown me away, Pew. Yeah, Matt, I was crazy when I saw foreigner. 105 shows. He's going foreigner shows. <laughs> 105? <laughs> five shows. I didn't realise the, the breadth of the um, drunken 45 to 55 year old man who um, who screams um, play Leonard Skinner at various gigs. I didn't realise there was enough of those guys knocking around to attend to attend foreigner shows with such regularity. Fucking oh, crazy, man. Crazy. It's, it's amazing. Surprising as well on the list of metal bands. Fucking Puddle of Mud plays 89 shows. Um, not entirely sure how they're still a band, but um, yeah. that's that's one hundred percent bail money. For, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all that is. Number one Kids, on the list, that number one on the list was Shine Down with one hundred thirty-six shows and forty-seven thousand miles travelled. Wow. I'm not big on Shine Down, yeah. but one hundred thirty-six shows in a three hundred sixty-five calendar uh, year. Gotta say, fair fucks to them. Absolutely. P.O.D. was just behind with 105 shows, and then Bullet from a Valentine had 101 shows. So, I mean, that's a that's a lot of fucking metal. Yeah, it is. I mean, like you're looking at like a show every three days for an entire year. Yeah, Man. pretty much. <laughs> Man, that is madness. That's a cra- Yeah, that's a crazy amount of commitment. Um, but I, I've got to <coughs> say, I did not expect Shine Down to be first. Stone Sailor played 96 shows. So, yeah, again... Now, obviously, the intensity has turned down quite a bit for Stone Sailor compared to Slipknot, but still, Corey Taylor going strong, man, at 45. Yeah, but then he's coming... He, yeah, and he's doing that. He did 96 shows, came back and wrote a Slipknot album. <laughs> I know, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. Made, he's made of sheets of iron. He's. Yeah, he's he's unreal. Absolutely unreal. So some, some of the other members of that band are going, oh, my God. Don't know how they keep up with it all the time. Sam? Yes. You saw Architects last night. Yes, we did, Chris. Yes, we did. You right. said some things. Yeah. You need to talk about. You need to talk about some of the things that you've said following that architects, architects gig. Right. You were you were on the hypest of all hype. You were making some statements. You let's had some take it from the let's, let's take it from the top. Um, Polaris and Beartooth were supporting. They were. Now we. I did want to get there for the whole of the Polaris set but we we just we just missed the start because yeah. uh, even though we got there at 7 there was still a massive queue which when I got to the front I understood because there were security scanners so uh, I was yeah. annoyed that there was a massive queue until I realised why there was a queue uh, and that's completely but, understandable oh, we have to wait but it was like oh yeah terrorism so yeah uh, it's completely understandable so no issues with that so we just missed the start of Polaris but what I will say is that I was the I was the driving force in getting us there for Polaris. So I was saying to you and Leon, we will like you two will love this band. I already think they're sick. Trust me, we must be there for them. And Sam, what did you think? I I, I really 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 enjoyed Polaris. Um, I, I thought all things all things considered, um, they were like you know opening for a metal band on an arena that size. From Polaris' perspective, you can't. I can't imagine they've spent too many shows. They're playing in front of more people than they played yesterday evening. There was like thirteen thousand screaming people there yesterday. That must have been quite intense. So opening that would would have been um, would have been a tough call. But I thought they were fantastic. Um, I thought all intents and purposes they were really really intense. They were really really good. Really really heavy. Really energetic. The vocalists, both of them, very really really terrific job. 
and that the uh, I remember I remember acknowledging to you I was like fuck man this is the uh, this is the opening band yeah I remember like how big it all sounded how intense it all sounded and it was like this is a this is a great foreshadow of things to come but as far as metal openers go um you know it's another good one man architects have done really well picking these guys out but you know from Australia as well I think that's really cool like it's not really often that Polaris are gonna be able to tour on their own around the UK at this stage of their career you'd probably think. So then coming around and, and working with architects has probably been a little bit of a boon for their for their career and their audience, which I think is a really cool thing, and I think they well deserve that billing. How about yourself? They've got an album called The Mortal Coil, which I suggest everyone listen to. It's an absolute banger. It's how I discovered them. It's how I realised that they're a sick band that I think the future holds great things for them because that's just the debut album, and I'm sure there's going to be much more to come. Yeah, they were tight as fuck. They sounded absolutely huge. Breakdowns were nasty. There was a wall of death 15 minutes into the opening set of a metalcore gig at Wembley Arena, which I thought was absolutely wicked. And I thought that they brought a real level of intensity, which it's difficult for the opening band to bring, whether it's Wembley Arena, whether it's in a pub in the in the basement, sorry, in the basement of a pub in fucking London, wherever it is. It's difficult to bring an intensity to the opening that because people aren't there for you, and you're fully aware of that. Absolutely. So for their, for You're them winning people in. over the moment you get there, aren't you? And I felt the crowd be hooked into them as well. From the second I started playing, I just felt that, ev- that everyone was there. It was like, man, these guys are sick. If you already knew who they were, you were like, yeah, they're just as good as I imagined. And if you didn't, like you and Leon, you're like relatively familiar. You and Leon like head banging your heads and loving it and saying these are sick. And that's great for them, man. I can see them being a real uh, force in metalcore in the coming years. They're a young band, uh, full of piss and vinegar. Great musicianship. They've got a great career ahead of them, man. I wholeheartedly agree, mate. I think they're... Um, they they have a good... They leave us to be optimistic, is what I'm trying to say, about the, about the future of metal, really, when we've got a few bands like that pushing forward. And I think there's a lot of bands, actually, that are starting to make me feel that way at the moment, which I think is really fantastic. And Polaris are just yet another, aren't they? Speaking of careers... Yes. Beartooth. Yeah, it's not gone well, has it? Um, See, I said it to you last night, and I'll say it again. They are the classic example of they peaked with their first album. Yeah, I think it's it's ironic that you brought up Franz Ferdinand earlier because there's some similarities that they're doing with the metal Franz Ferdinand (laughs) in the sense that they had one absolutely fire banger on a really, really, really good album. Like, I. Don't don't tear away from the fact that Disgusting is a tremendous opening album. It is excellent. It is excellent. It's really, really, really good. Um, and Disgusting uh, was was terrific. And the next and the next album after that, Aggressive, was was very good. Yeah, we loved it, man. We we, we gave it raging reviews on Soundcheck. We well, thought it we was both a great acknowledged album. that it was a a step back. And I, I said that I'd probably on the podcast. I remember saying that if I had to pick one, I think right now I'd take Aggressive. Uh, sorry, I'd take. Um, Disgusting because it's more raw, it's more intense. I think the songs that hit a little harder, and but it, like leave me with it. And looking back, I, I I don't think that has changed. I think in the moment I was maybe thinking aggressive might ta- aggressive might take over, but um, the first album by far is their best one. And this new this new album came out, and I didn't I didn't hate it at all. I actually really liked it. Um, but I think this, this sounds a lot a bit better. I think you fall in love with them for about a fortnight. Uh, but there's, I don't think there's much. There's, there's not a re-listenable aspect to Beartooth that you get with a lot of other bands. 
I think um, you can go back and listen to a lot of bands and a lot, a lot of great, great artists and great albums. And it's just as rewarding the 15th time as it is the first time you heard it. And I think that can be a real difference. Uh, I feel like once you've heard Beartooth two or three times, I don't think there's that ability to then go back and really enjoy them as much because you just, you've just you got everything you need to get out of them the first time. Uh, I think they, they, they just do exactly what you think they're going to do. They, you know, they've got a big chorus. They've got a relatively decent riff. You'll nod your head in the right places. But beyond that, beyond that, I don't think they do... Um, I don't think they do a great deal, unfortunately. And I think this third album has been the third iteration of the same style of song to the point where you could probably write down the blueprint for a Beartooth song without really listening to one for reference prior. Because um, they, they do the same sort of things. They have the two choruses and the, they have the breakdown. But then they have the breakdown in a similar way, but then the drummer changes tempo. And then they go back to the original riff, but it's played without drums, so it seems more emphatic. And then they come back in with a big chorus at the end and finish off. And that's just how they just how they sort of written songs and they've sort of written albums. So I think to see them live was just a, a confirmation of that because um, after after 35, 40 minutes, I mean, what what I just remembered this? Why the fuck was there a drum solo? Oh mate, that was mind boggling. That was. I was like, why the fuck is the support band playing the drums? There are only three songs in. <laughs> like, why are they doing this? Like, I, play, I play drums. I love drums. Like, like, don't get me wrong, man. It was impressive. I love it. Um, nothing. Honestly, mate, watching a show, nothing gets my dick harder than a, than a good, good drum, drum solo. <laughs> uh, uh, but I also realised I'm probably one of seven people in that room that felt that way. One of which is probably the playing the drums. Do you know what I mean? One of which is the yeah. drummer. Um, so I'm not too sure why that took place. Um, I remember saying to you, it might have been like where Caleb Sharma can like get a breather or something like that, where Possibly. they can uh, potentially. But fucking hell, mate! If you're taking breathers 15 minutes into a support accent, this is not gonna, this is not going well for you. I also got the impression that someone, someone's convinced Beartooth that they were headlining. Um, you're supporting, so stop like asking the audience to guess the lyrics and and things like that. Like, I get it, I, I get it, and I think on the certain songs it really did work. But every chorus is like, the second cor- second line of every chorus is letting 13,000 architects from Wembley take a chance at it. This isn't your show, bro. Sell your music, like, perform your tunes. Um, I just thought there was, there was some really, really strange things. I thought the set was just weird as well. Like, I thought everything was a bit topsy-turvy. So, I, yeah, I, I love Beartooth. I don't want to keep, like, I'm just, like, just knocking them. I do really enjoy them. I just think they've stalled, and I think this gig was a bit of a confirmation of that. Just branching off what I was saying, when they're a classic example of a band that peaked with album one, I always worry for a band when you see them live and they're only three albums in, and you turn to your mates and say, fucking hell, I have to play an old one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Always, always, that is is a a, a a fucking red flag, that is. Like, I'll I'll give you, for instance... If we were at a Bring Me The Horizon show for There Is A Hell, is there any chance that I'd turn to you and say, oh, fuck me, I have to play an old one? I wouldn't give a shit what yeah. they're playing because that, that's three amazing... Well, I'm not really a massive fan of, <laughs> of the first album, but that's three like, albums that, progressively, <laughs> that have progressively got better. Yeah, Whereas I completely agree. I completely agree. I think if you're three or four albums in and you're like you're looking for the old... Like, man, if you've got three albums, there's no old shit. 
Yeah, no. There's just shit. Okay. Like, <laughs> if you've been bringing out albums since 2015 and it's 20 fucking 19, it's not even March or halfway through the 2019. There's no old shit. You're not going back in time. You're not Led Zeppelin. Just play the tunes. Like, you've got three albums and an EP. Like, chill your beans. Um, I, I agree. I'm like, dis- disgusting uh, was very good. I really liked Aggressive and I thought Disease was like... I reviewed it, I got, uh, and I thought, I was like, oh, you know. I Again? Like, I, I was like, I guess, you know, it's fine, you know. Metalcore, they're doing the same thing. There's a song like called Clever, which is probably the best song on the album, and Caleb Shamo's voice sounds exceptionally. But away from that, I was like, yeah, guess, you know, same thing, three times running. I don't know where this goes. I yeah, think I agree. The yeah. That's sort of end- third gear, aren't they? Yeah, I, th- I think Beartooth end up being... A band that play to two thousand cap at maximum for, at maximum capacity, like into and by I don't mean of the venue, I mean at their maximum capacity, at their best, they stick at two thousand. I hope I'm wrong, and the album falls like oh shit, man, as if they've been able to do this, didn't see this coming, but I doubt it, man. To be honest, I think what we've had in the first three albums is what we're going to be getting until they decide to call it a day. Which you know what, that's fine. Beartooth have got a, a big enough fan base that will absolutely sustain their careers. But for me, I'm out at this point. Unless yeah. Album 4 brings me back in, I'm out. I'm never going to pay money to see them headline a show. I like the band. But for me, last night, I think Polaris... I feel a bit sorry for them. Polaris kicked their fucking ass. To follow Polaris is a bit of a task for them. Because I think as well, Polaris and Match Architects a lot more than Beartooth do. Yeah, it would have made sense to start with Beartooth. I mean, and have Polaris lead nicely into... Um, yeah, I mean, into... in terms of musical style, that would have made more sense. But Beartooth were obviously, obviously never going to yeah. take that gig. Yeah, on size alone, you've really got to do it, haven't you? But I think that unless they do something fucking exceptional on album four, I'm out. And, you know, I don't mean like I hate them. You know, they're a good, fine band. But I'm never going to go out my way to listen to them again. And I think last night that they just got absolutely blown to pieces by Polaris. You know what, bro? Polaris were much better. We're going to have a podcast in 2029. You'll be like, can you believe Beartooth played 110 shows last year? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's class, that is. And I'm going to be like, oh, shit. Still played 2,000 people are still coming out three times a week to listen to Disgusting. And you're like... Yeah, they are. I'm like, well, they're going to have to, aren't they? If they keep bringing out these sort of albums, it, this, is the, this, is the, this is their show, this is their gig, this is who they're going to be. The thing is as well, I think Caleb Sharma is really talented, and I think he has he the potential to go back and think, and, and go back and think, all right, can I fucking get something else out the closet here? Can we bring in... I know it sounds really stupid, but like... Not, not stupid as such, but and I've, and I've criticised this material a lot. But Caleb Sharma and Beartooth could really benefit from going through like a... Oh, maybe we could have some electronics and widen our sound. Actually, or, you know what, mate? That is a shout. Do you know what I mean? Maybe we could like get some synths in here or maybe we should experiment with like orchestral stuff or a keyboard. Maybe we should have an acoustic song. You know, like just, just fuck about a bit, man. Just get something else involved. Have like um, have a, have a guest spot. Someone else doing a vocal on a bit. Do you know what I mean? Just something. Because if it feels off, it's these four lads and Caleb Shamo. You mentioned that he just writes all the guitar, all the bass. He does. All the stuff. And he just the whole fucking band gets it out to the band. Yeah. Well, no fucking wonder. It sounds samey. There's no no other no other element at all. It's like there's there's no seasoning in the chicken. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing else coming in. 
so if that stuff's not going to change, we're just going to be listening to the same album over and over again. So I, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like it, it needs to, it needs to take another gear. We need to do something expressive, something experimental. Or like I said, we are going to be having that conversation in ten years where it's like, fuck, have you not heard? Have you not heard the lines enough by now? Yeah. What's the things we're gonna happen, mate? Architects. Oh fuck me. Um, do you want me to start so you can like consider how how much you're gonna how high on this Mount Rushmore of metal that you're gonna place them on? I will start and then just caveat into you. Um, right. Go ahead, sir. Just under a year ago, I watched Architects headline Alexandra Palace. Indeed, you did. It was a really, really emotional show. It was amazing to see them tick that tick that checklist off their career that uh, architects put ten thousand people sold out in Alexandra Palace. Now, if you said architects were going to pull that off to me the first time I ever saw them, there is no way I would have believed you because the first time I saw them, they sub headlined the metal stage. At Reading Leeds Festival in a tent, they were incredible. Holy shit, I lost my mind for them. But I thought this might be the best thing they ever accomplished because that their type of music is difficult to spread to the masses on a large scale. You have to be incredibly, 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 incredibly intelligent in your songwriting to be able to get metalcore, keep it metalcore, and also uh, open up the space to bring others in. For example, what Semper Paternal was for Bring Me the Horizon. That is the classic example of a band that stayed yeah. heavy and allowed others in. Now, where Bring Me the Horizon went from there is a different matter. The fact is, Semper Paternal turned Bring Me the Horizon into the superstars that they are today. Without that album, Bring Me the Horizon are not superstars. So, Brilliant. with me, once Architects started this role of steam and started moving forward, getting bigger... Bigger following on social media. Architects stand up for the right things in terms of there was a video of Sam Carter absolutely destroying this guy that he saw sexually assaulting a woman during the show. Got shared viral everywhere, everyone respecting them because they are they seem like legitimately the greatest guys on earth. But outside of what their personalities are, fucking unbelievable band. And I saw them at Alexandra Palace and again I thought this, that was amazing but that is surely their their peak. That's surely the best thing that they're ever going to do because you know everyone's turned up to Alexandra Palace because it was just a one-off show. Alexandra Palace was it wasn't a tour. It no. was just, they, they'd been touring around Europe and it culminated at Alexandra Palace. So I thought everyone's turned up here to show how much they love this band and they've got ten thousand people in the UK to show up as respected Tom and to see this amazing band play what will be an amazing emotional show. And it was, and I loved it. What I've got to say, and then I'm going to, I'm going to go back into you before we come back to me. Wembley Arena last night, in my opinion, fucking obliterated Alexandra Palace. It was so much better in terms of what they brought to the table because, yes, it will never be forgotten what happened to Tom and Tom will live in the band forever. But last night's performance wasn't about look at this amazing thing that we're doing and Tom would have loved. Last night's performance was, we are the best modern metal band in Britain by a country mile. 
we have just released the best album of, in my opinion, the last decade in terms of metal. Watch us show you. We'll show you just how good we are. And I think that's what they did. And before I come back in, Sam, what were your thoughts? Um, Architects are the most important metal band since Slipknot. And Man, that is a statement. You want a bit my statements, mate? That is... Yeah, I've, I've been mulling it over since we got back. And since Bring Me The Horizon fell off the precipice, they never really ascended to this title. Um, the height, the height, the height of Bring Me was where Architects are now, from a metal band perspective, where they play Wembley Arena. But that was, that was not a signalling of things to come. That was a closing of the chapter for Bring Me The Horizon. And yeah. they continued in a very different vein following that. Architects are not closing a chapter on who they are as a metal band. They could be looking at the top of a mountain that they can continue to climb is where Architects are at the moment. Where they are, and Architects is such a, a key, crucial point for their career. Like, before we talk about this individual gig here, let's talk about the moments that have led up to this. Just to, just to put this into context, uh, because it is worth mentioning just in the timeline. 18 months ago, their guitarist and main songwriter died. Within months, they replaced him, wrote a new album, and have had their biggest show on date, which they've then topped with their next biggest show on date yesterday evening. So in the last 18 months, they have lost one quarter of their writing, um, one quarter of their band and half of their writing process. Integrated a new member, got over the grief of that writer, uh, that, that loss, who was related to the fucking member of another band, the band as well. Twin brother. Twin brother. Replaced him, wrote the album of their career, and then played the biggest show in their history. Not since ACDC writing Back in Black after Von Scott died as a band done that. Even Metallica were grieving after Cliff Burton to the point where they took Jason Newsted's bass out as a way of like getting over it. Even Metallica took away quality. Even Metallica took a step back after grief. Architects have got better as a result of this. It's astonishing. So... Even without talking to the gig, the transformation this band have, have made, not transformation, but the step forward this band has made, despite this adversity, is absolutely astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. Um, and then to top it off, they are, like you said, the biggest metal band in Britain by a country mile. But they are the most important metal band for the future of metal over the next 10 years than any other metal band. The future of metal rests squarely on Sam Carter's shoulders. If if, arch if architects continue in this vein, and they write another album of gravity, and 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 impact and quality, that holy hell has. Even if it's ninety percent of it, then their 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 metal fandom will build, and we're seeing them in the NEC in a few years, and then they release another one, and then they're just legendary enough to headline download, and they finally take the mantle away from the bands that we are longing for metal to take the mantle away from, quite sadly. Yeah. Um, we need architects. Metal needs architects. And luckily for us, architects have never been in better shape, which is incredible considering they should not be in worse shape considering what has happened to them yeah. over the last 12 months. So 
even aside, they are at a point now where they are at sh- where they are having ability now to push forward and really, really, really take the metal world by storm. And it starts with that performance last night because honestly, I was fucking blown away. Oh my god, mate, same. Absolutely blown away. Um, from the moment the from the moment the opening song hit, which by the way, name me a be- name me another metal show aside from Metallica and Avenged Sevenfold where lights, CO2 emissions, and stage show has been used better, and you're fucking lying to me. Yep, 100% um, agree. I've never, I, like I said, I saw Metallica, and we, we saw them with all the lights and all the shows and stuff, and that was incredible. But that's fucking Metallica, guys. They have, like, 150 million records sold in the world. They've been doing this for, fifty year, like, 40 years. That's why. Um, and I saw Avenged Sevenfold, and Avenged doing a, a bit of a cast in their own because I've headlined downloads. They're, 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 they're rising above, and... Architects are architect, architects are the next biggest thing, I think, and just doing that sort of thing was, for, for metal was absolutely incredible. Uh, I thought they were thought they were absolutely, absolutely extraordinary. To, like you expect a metal band, like one of the expectations for any metal band is that the musicians are going to be good. So um, they were. I'll just I'll just touch on that. They were absolutely phenomenal. But the one thing that makes the any metal show really really great or really really shit is the vocalist performance. Holy because shit, mate, Sam Carter. Yeah, because you, you expect the guitarists to be really good live because they're they're doing exactly what they would do in studio and things like that. And I understand sometimes you're playing really difficult shit. But if I said to you, hey, man, this metal guitar is really good, you wouldn't be surprised. No. Um, so for Sam, for Sam Carter, a, a screamer of that intensity and that aggression to do an 18-song set where there's really no break for him at all, uh, aside from the occasional choruses, where he's screaming 30 seconds later anyway. He really doesn't take a day off. He doesn't take a moment off. There's no instrumental. There was no drum solo for Architects, by the way, Beartooth. I don't know if you'd noticed that. <laughs> um, and he, he he was absolutely sensational. Now, um, we were talking and we were talking about it yesterday, and he doesn't necessarily have the, the same sort of gravity as a front man as some of the other more popular front men across, uh, across the nation. So he's not exactly Axel Rose. I get that. doesn't fucking have to be. They're amazing. He, he's incredible. He's talent. He's talent supersedes all that, and the, the combination, the whole performance was just incredible, and really quite effortless. Yeah, really quite effortless. It didn't feel like they were um, not breaking a sweat as such, but it didn't seem like an issue. Like it didn't seem like they were really like having to really go above and beyond themselves, which shows that which shows that the, the, the moment is really not beyond them. I, I thought it. I thought it was an incredible show and a confirmation of what. We thought for um, we thought pretty much since Holy Hell came out that, that this band this band are going places and that the sky really is the limit for for a band like this. For me, one of the most gratifying things is the fact that you fell in love with them. We t- we talked about it on the last show when we were doing the album of the year discussion. But you were really neither here nor there on them. You were like, <clears throat> I, I know they're a very good band. Yeah. It's just I'm not fully in. And honestly, mate, yesterday, as they were coming on to Death Is Not Defeat and I opening up, and that heartbeat was on in the background and it exploded into the riff and the confetti came out. Like, me, you and Leon were just in complete unison, just absolutely losing our shit for this absolutely. amazing band. And I think yesterday... I've, I just felt fucking privileged to just be a part That's of the this thing. fucking huge moment for the for a band that... <laughs> the thing is, is that Sam Carter didn't come on stage and be like, 
we've been a band for 15 years and, you know, we've struggled so much and thank you so much for, you know, for helping us through, you know. He said that the fans were the number one aspect, aspect but that they didn't come on stage and try and make out that this was the be-all and end-all for them. At all. Because, but for me, they <coughs> know what they've achieved. They know this isn't the be-all and end-all. I think they know that their careers culminate with a download festival headline. Honestly, if Andy Coppin was somewhere in the stands yesterday at Wembley Arena and he's watching this shit and he doesn't give this band a go to headline download in a couple of years, few years, maybe one more album, dude, what the fuck are you waiting for? Yeah, these, 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 these are the band. This is this is the like. I thought it was gonna. I thought Bring Me the Horizon were gonna be that. Were gonna be the band before they took that diversion. Yeah. Bring Me the Horizon may still headline download. There's nothing to suggest they won't. But in terms of the metal band from this from from the 21st century to go forward and be able to headline download, this is the band. I don't know what you could want from a metal gig other than what was given to us. I've never heard a sound at a metal show like that, like last night. Yeah, they were yeah, a tour de force, weren't they? It was. I, I brought up that your dad uh, went to the Freddie Mercury tribute show at Wembley, and he was yeah. saying that when uh, Metallica played Enter Sandman, he could feel Lars's kick drum like in his chest. It was yeah. that powerful. Now, obviously, uh, Wembley Stadium is much bigger than Wembley Arena, so, I mean, that is... <laughs> Lars's kick drum must have been ridiculous for it to have gone through Wembley Stadium like that, but it's the first time I've ever experienced. I could feel Dan Searle's kick drum bouncing off my chest. Yeah. I've it's never huge. experienced I've never experienced that in my life. I've never experienced a band just absolutely fucking nail it. Like ten out of ten from start to finish. Mate, the new songs, they came over like a fucking whirlwind live. They win the crowd over just as much as some of the older tunes. Easily, easily so, mate. Mate, when they play Mortal After All, fuck me, that riff from Josh Milton yeah. at the start. The, the absolutely fucking carnivorous breakdown at the end. Mate, I, I haven't got the fucking verbiage to sum up that show last night. I put on Twitter earlier that I'm really fucking relieved that I haven't got a right to written review. <coughs> For, for this architect show, because I don't know what the fuck I'd say, apart from, this is Britain's best modern metal band, by a country mile, they, these are the best, and it was their biggest show to date, and, smashed it is not the word, and yeah, I I'll... still, don't think that, I still don't think that was the best they'll ever do, I think more awaits them, I think that album, holy hell, is such a game changer for them that still bigger th bigger things are white. Every time I've seen Architects, I've left the show and thought, and that's the biggest stage I'll ever see them on, apart from last night. I left I left last night and I thought I will see them on a bigger stage than this because yeah. the way yeah. it's gone for them, the quality of the songwriting, the backing that they've got from the fans, it's gonna go it's gonna go further forward. This is. And tell me a fucking band that deserve it more. Not just in terms of the personal torment they've been through. In terms of the fucking musicianship, tell me a song released in the last 10 years of metal, uh, modern metal, metal core then, let's call it, of metal core in the last 10 years that's better than Mortal after all. Tell me one. You, we have to really think about it. Doomsday, Hereafter. 
even on the last album, mate, Gone With The Wind last night. Incredible. See the fucking crowd? The crowd all lost their shit for it, me, you and Leon, more than anyone else. But, mate, it was just amazing. And, the, and to finish on Doomsday, honestly, mate, <coughs> I don't know what to say about this gig. It was just blew me away. I, I, I'm still living, like, caught up in the moment, so I don't want to be, like, it was the best gig I've ever been to. I want to sit with that for a while, and I want to really, because I've been to some gigs, so I really, really want to think about that before before I give it that coin, but it's definitely top three. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a fair statement. You want to you sit with it for a bit. It was an incredible show. I think, if you look at architects, you look at bands, right? And one of the things that really stand out to me is, number one, if you walk away feeling like not just that it was a great gig, but that you were privileged to be there, that you were lucky to be there, to be in the presence of that band at that time in the peak of their careers, that's special and you should never forget that. When you're analysing that sort of stuff, if you feel privileged to be there, that's a big thing. And number two, if it's like in two years, Architects tour again, maybe they don't have any album out, we'd still go. Oh, fucking absolutely, yeah. Exactly. So the point is, is you know how like Michelin stars are used to write restaurants. Yeah. And um, I bought I bought this off um off, off I remember reading off Bill Simmons, a sports writer, and he's talking about players. So like when players come in, do you have to go and see them? And it's the same sort of thing here. So like a you know, one star Michelin restaurant is like, oh, it's really good. If you get a chance, you should really go. Two stars like, oh my god, you should book this six months in advance. You should definitely go here and make sure that you're available. Number three is like, trade your car for a reservation. This is an incredible place to eat at, right? Yeah. Like, architects come along. This is like, they're like pushing like three star. If you haven't seen architects, you absolutely need to go if you're a metal fan. Do you know what I mean? Like, that that's up there with like, what do you mean? You have never seen Metallica live? What do you mean? What do you know what I mean? You know what do you, what do you mean? You've never seen Lamb of God? What do, you, what do you mean? You've never seen, like, ICDC, Guns and Roses? You know what I mean? The proper, like, if they're available and you get a chance to go, you should be waking up in the middle of the night to make sure you logged on Ticketmaster to fucking get yourself there. And architects are edging into that category where, like, if you like metal and you haven't been to an architect show... I say this is a person who went to my first one yesterday, so I'm not even going to pretend that like I'm, like, this fucking veteran of architects gigs. But if that's what they're like... And that's the standard that they are setting. If you like metal and you like architects, which I can't see how you wouldn't, you need to make sure they go. They are a, a, a can't-miss band. In the same way that people used to talk about in hushed whispers about Slipknot and, like, you know, they make you get down to the floor and jump at each other and, like, they make you jump at each other on the wall of death. Like, Slipknot did all that shit first. And people used to, like, oh, my God, did they do that? And it was, like, really exciting and different. Architect, architects are blowing people away. You need to go if you're a metal fan. They're, they're, in that, they're in that sort of band. So you walk away feeling privileged. And also, if someone turns around and says, you know, I've never seen Architects Live, are they any good? And you immediately start gushing. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, you need to go and see them. That's when you know it's special. That's when you know it's really important. You don't turn around and say, yeah, it was really good. You should go if you get a chance. Like, you know, if you've got a dentist appointment, then maybe you should miss it. But like, if it's Architects Live, I don't give a fuck. Like, if it's your mum's funeral, tell everyone you're going to be late. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that, 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 that was that sort of show. Yeah, so mate. I, 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 I think that's I think that's all I'd, uh, all I'd probably say about that. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it was just a special, special evening with Britain's best modern metal band. It, it blew me away. 
how good they were. They it was so much better than Alexandra Palace, and I loved Alexandra Palace. But from Sam's vocals, fucking hell, man. So are we talking from from one gig to the other? From one gig to the other, we're talking about like a a ten percent improvement, twenty percent improvement from gig to gig from the one you went. I'd say twenty percent. That's that's quite large. And that twenty percent is holy hell. And what that album has done for them, in terms of them as musicians, what it's done for them, I cannot speak highly about last night enough. Spaces are set out really nicely as well. I think. Um, I think the blend was really right yesterday. Um, I, I played quite quite a lot of stuff off the new album, which which obviously I ex- you would expect. But 18 songs, nice long set. I played a really balanced show. I thought. Yeah. Uh, of, of 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 the right sort of stuff for that sort of show. Though they, they realised what was really going to hit well, hit hard. And you know what? The fact that Doomsday came out. 15 months ago and it's their finisher now yeah it is, is is a huge huge compliment to that 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 level of songwriting that's gone on and the fact as well shows how self-aware architects are for them to know how big that song is yeah, how impactful that song is because it was like the, the atmosphere for like for doomsday matched the excitement when they first came on it was by far the biggest pop for them Final thing I'm going to say on it. Tom Searle died and he was the main songwriter for Architects. His brother, Dan Searle, and the drummer took over and wrote Holy Hell. (laughs) Dan Searle is a fucking genius. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he is. He's a fucking genius. to To, in that torment, to have wrote that album. Not only is is he an exceptional drummer, the guy is an absolute genius. To give those lyrics to Sam. And Sam said last night, it was like, you know, I didn't write these lyrics, but it's an absolute fucking pleasure to to sing them. Um, <laughs> Dan Searle, you are a fucking mastermind of modern metal. It, last night was everything I wanted it to be, man. And that's all I can say about it. Just a fucking exceptional, exceptional time. Yeah, I think that's very fair to say. Alright, very fair to say. We're going to review some records. Yeah, man. You're going to give a score for the Architects gig, you should assume. Oh, you're give... Lord, mate. I mean, I'd give Polaris an 8, I'd give uh, Bear Tooth a 6.5, and, and I'd give fucking Architects a 20. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'd give Architects a 10. Um, it, what else could I have wanted? You? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, you, I, you... I have to agree. It was a performance that it was a 10. Uh, what about uh, Polaris? Um, hmm. Yeah, I um, bear to seven. No, fuck that. That'd be too generous. Bear to uh, six. <laughs> I love you, <laughs> dude. New EP from Wars, as yes. called, as within, so without. Now, I selected this band for us to review because I thought quick little EP to go over, and it's on a playing field that me and you are quite familiar with. Yes. I'll get to you first. What are your thoughts, man? I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this. It was intense. It was um, it was melodic. It was heavy. It was very modern. Um, it, it was it was it was metalcore by numbers a little bit. I didn't expect I didn't expect anything different. I wasn't I wasn't surprised. But that being said, I thought um, I thought the opening two tracks, uh, the single, 
Uh, the, the scorn and fidelity and little death. I thought those two were brilliant. Scorn and fidelity is an absolute banger. Absolutely, I think it was a terrific opening, and I thought, you know, there's there's a whole there's a scourge of these bands that are mastering this. You're not quite screaming, you're not quite singing, you're sort of shouting in an emotional sort of way, sort of bands. Um, and, and these were another one of those, but that I'm not taking away from how how good it sounded. I thought it was really percussive. I thought the guitarist was doing a banging job. I thought this is a a really solid um, four-track EP that if they continue and get the chance to write an album, I expect that to be a seven and a half or eight out of ten record. I think there's... I'm not writing home about them. I'm not, like, gushing. There's nothing that really blew me away specifically. But I think if this is your first excursion, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm interested. You tell me in, like, a year of time and saying, oh, you remember that Remember that band we reviewed last year? And I'm like, oh, yeah, as within, so without that one. And, and I'm like... That EP, yeah. I'm listening again. I'm listening to Wars again. They've, they've done enough. Oh, I enjoyed it. What I'm going to say is they had an album uh, that came out in 2016 called We Are Islands After All. Oh, and right, this, e- this EP is much better than that. Uh, okay. They've grown in terms of musicianship and songwriting. School and Fidelity is by far the best thing on this EP. And this EP is supposed to be a precursor to an album that's coming out later on in the year. So... For me, it's like, School and Fidelity is great, and then for me, the rest of the EP, the EP is just fine. It's your average decent metalcore that ticks along quite nicely. I do believe that come this record that comes out at the end of the year, it's going to be make or break time for them. And they're going to need to do like a consistently good LP to be able to convince people that they've got a future in this business. Yeah. But for the time being... Nice bit of fucking riffing. Nothing uh, wrong with this at all, is that? I think the sing, I think the singer blends in well. Uh, few, some decent time change. Excuse me, different decent time changes. But I think the EP does suffer a bit with scoring the fidelities first, <laughs> and then yeah. just going a bit yeah. aside from there. At times, they sound a bit, a bit rock bandy, trying to be heavier than what they're really comfortable doing. And what I mean by that is, um, there was a band called We Are the Ocean uh, that were oh, yes. very that ended up being very like unsuccessful and never really making it to the big time. And there's areas in this EP where th- they accidentally almost blend into that kind of category. Yeah. If they whittle that out of the system and just stick to being, if they find what they're really good at, which at times on this EP they do, and stick to that, then they'll be great. I think if they take the blueprint of Scorn and Fidelity and try and expand it to uh, 19 <coughs> songs, then I think they've got a future. I mean, in that bracket, they would be uh, uh, going against bands like Wage War. I think Wage War are, understandably, much further ahead than Wars. Yes, I do think that would be their area of progress and area where they could grow as a band. So as an EP... I just wanted to quickly go over it with you and see what you thought. I think this is a perfectly palatable metalcore EP. Goes by quickly and you're left wanting more. And that's the minimum you can ask for, I guess, in an EP. It's a precursor to an album at the end of the year, which we will certainly be looking out for and taking a listen to. And I think it's already an improvement from the last record. So going forward, I'm happy with this EP. I would give this a six. Sam? Oh, you're harsh to me. I was going to go solid seven. I enjoyed it. Um, I Maybe I'm getting more optimistic in my old age. 
Um, but um, I thought, I thought, you know what, lads, like fair play, I, I really enjoyed it. Like I'm hoping the album, if they do have an album, if, if there's ten songs to send us because that first track, I'm well in. Oh mate, if they do ten songs, send us calling fidelity. Can't make tick that box, bro. It's just that songs <laughs> like in a, in a mirror dimly. I'm just like, ah, not into it, man. It's a bit. Yeah. I say it's yeah, a bit. I, I we are the ocean trying to be a metalcore band, and I, I, it doesn't sound like, you know, it doesn't sound like they really know what they're good at in songs it's songs like that they're good at metalcore verses and massive melodic choruses like scorn and fidelity yeah i completely agree now sam this right. is where it gets it. this is where it gets interesting i have been absolutely dying to talk to you about this record for two weeks now because i'm just so curious as to what you think of it so this band is called puppy they are like an underground alternative rock band. I first came across them about a year ago. There is a there's a podcast called That's Not Metal, which raves about them, and I thought I'm gonna check out this band, man. And I was really into it because they're they're a bit different to to most bands that you would come across, especially in this day and age. They're very nineties, absolutely, and that kind of throwback was cool for me actually actually really when i first stumbled across them they've, they've got a song called the great beyond and it sounds like it could be like the kind of um lead single track to like a film like set in the 90s man it's just it was really cool sort of really spacious rock vibe i, I was really into it so when <coughs> me and me and you started doing this podcast and i was like oh shit puppy i've got a new album it's at the end of january i've got to get this i'm so fucking curious to see what he thinks about this I'll start off and I will push over to you. Go ahead. I like it when alternative rock bands actually sound alternative. And somewhere along the way, over the last 15 years, alternative rock has gone from bands like Incubus and Foo Fighters to fucking 30 Seconds to Mars and Bastille. Somehow. Yeah. Alternative rock bands, a lot of them in 2019, aren't actually alternative at all. In fact, they're, they're the least alternative you could think you could possibly stumble yeah, across. Yeah. This is alternative. This is very different to something that you would put on Radio 1 Rock Time. It's a legitimately alternative rock album. The fucking riffing in this is exceptional. And song number one, Black Hole, comes out... And, you, uh, hey, mate, you might put a knife to my throat for saying this. I'm hoping you don't, but... <laughs> five minutes alone, if it was a rock song. Okay. Oh, okay. That... Yeah, I can get that, actually, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I actually think that bleeds through most of the album. There's, there's, a, there's a solo in World Stands Still. Holy shit, man, it melts my face off. <laughs> it's, it's, it's proper yeah. like if Pantera were a rock band. And another thing I want to point out: these are a three-piece. No, fuck oh, off, really. These are a three-piece: bassist, drummer, and guitarist and vocalist. So the... and the way you reacted to me telling you that tells me everything I need to know. This band the... are a three-piece. This, this... Fuck! Is the guitarist is the vocalist also playing an instrument? Yes. Yeah. Can you believe that? Shitting out. This band are wicked, man. I'm so okay. They've got, like, this vibe. It's really difficult for me to describe it, actually, because, it, like I say, it's legitimately alternative. 
it's like it hits you really hard, but the, because the vocals, the vocals are done in such a nineties way that it, it like it grinds against how heavy the guitars sound because the vocals are really like melodic in an old fashioned kind of way. Yeah, and the guitars sound really invigorated and inventive and just brooding and heavy more than anything else and those two things clash against each other really well song called entombed on this album yeah absolutely rips man and there's not a there's not really any choruses i could point you to in this album be like hey man you should listen to vengeance because it's got a great chorus not really what this album does for me is it takes all the groovy elements that you could want from like hard groove metal and blends it with something that's really palatable in terms of the way the songs are structured as a whole. I think the drummer's wicked. Yeah. And the fact that they're a three-piece, yet they sound absolutely huge. The Let me just remind myself of the uh, guitarist. Jock Norton is the main songwriter. He's the guitarist and vocalist. He's a fucking talented individual. Because some of the riffs he pulls off throughout this album. I think you could give this al- this album to a metalhead. And be like, hey man, you know, you should listen to this solo. I reckon you'll get into this band. And I think the metalhead that you give it to would be like, holy shit man, that's heavy as balls. And then you could give it to someone who was listening to rock in the 90s. And he's a fan of bands like Incubus. And has been wondering, where the fuck has all the good alternative music gone over the last 25 years, please? And they'd be like... Oh shit, man, this is so refreshing. I've been waiting for a band like this for literally two decades. I'm really, really into this band. I think that they're legitimately different. There's a gap in the market for bands like this. And I think that they have... I'm trying to... I think their ceiling... I think their ceiling... I think they live as an underground band that get really, really appreciated and loved. Yeah, I understand. I that. think, I think the, that's where the their decade. zenith is. Yeah, man, I'd love for this to spread to the main to, to the mainstream. But I think bands like this give the ability for the fourteen-year-old kid in his room that stumbles across this band, and then in ten years is being interviewed by Metal Hammer, and he's like, "Oh, well, there's this underground band called Puppy that I really loved," and I, then and then I mate, and then I, you know, took what that took that formula and applied it on a wider scale. Do you know what I mean? When I yeah, say I, that? I, I understand. Like, how like you speak to the, you see interviews with hardcore bands now and like oh we're really into minor threat. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like underground hardcore bands. Yeah, black flag. That's that, yeah, like yeah, that took that blueprint that just made it onto a wider scale. Do you see what I mean with that? Yeah, I understand. I, understand I think this totally. album is absolutely wicked. It's called The Ghost and it's out as I mentioned on the twenty fifth of January. And I am fully in love with this man. Sam, I am so fucking curious. Drop your thoughts on this album to me. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed the combination. I felt I felt like I was listening at times. I was listening to a bit of Smashing Pumpkins. I felt like I was listening to a bit of Weezer. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, absolutely, man. Um, but that it's the, the thing that sets this band apart uh, was the the dual vocalist thing. It has been fucking ages since I heard a band that had vocalists where two blokes was, were involved in the vocals, but neither one of them was screaming. Oh yeah. Like, I can't remember the last time I was around where that took place, apart from Foo Fighters, and occasionally the drummer chimes in, doesn't he, or like, something like that. I think, um, I think it was a, ref- I think it was a refreshing, I agree with you, it's a refreshing tone back to that sort of 90s style of music. I, I liked the fact that I was listening to a genuinely 
I can't believe I'm describing this word on this podcast. Feel good rock bands. <laughs> yeah. But they were. Like, I, you listen to this band and, like, you look at like, tune like Just Like You. Oh, um, uh, yeah, bang. Like, like, it's a feel good. This could be you driving along, you listen to this in the background, like, like you're on a journey somewhere, like some sort of stereotypical, like, movie scene, and you're sort of heading off into the horizon. This is the sort of song in the background. I've got a bit of a creeper vibe here as well, by the way. Absolutely, yep, feeling that. And, um, but where, where creeper left me alone a little bit with the, um, the emo tinge and the lack of instrumentation like you know i love my complexity and all that sort of stuff these guys brought me back to a real sense of heaviness and i like the fact that this band i think you can sort of tell that the guitarist a big metalhead and the two vocalists are probably into like classic rock music do you know what i mean and it's all just melded together and they've created these sort of songs that sound like a little bit of everything which means that it's a bit wider. I think um, a lot of bands, a lot of people might listen to it and be like, yeah, but like, what are they though? Like, are they a rock band? Are they a metal band? Are they? A... You mean it's the closest thing to grunge I've actually heard since grunge died, sort That's of an as well. Shout. Um, but like, it's it's grunge, but it's like it's it's the happiness style has just been sort of toyed with a little bit. It's like Pearl Jam ish. Um. Pearl Jammy, Weezer, he's sort of smashing fingers and sort of stuff. But on top of that, there's a genuine real rock heaviness, uh, rock and heaviness and edge to it. Um, I enjoyed this. Uh, I enjoyed this and I don't, it's hard to kind of explain why I enjoyed it. Like, I don't mean to say like disrespectful to it at all. I didn't mean that in that way. I just mean like it's intangibly enjoyable. Like you listen, you listen to it and it, it feels good. It, you listen to it and it makes you happy. You listen to it and the the vocals are you're like oh it's a, it's, it's like a light chorus line but I don't mind that it's there it's this this feels like a bit like a pop rock song but I don't mind that I I think it blends quite nicely at times any criticism I would have it at times it feels like sometimes the mishmash doesn't work as much it does feel like they're trying to throw everything at me at once a little bit and I, I can feel like sometimes it's like all right okay. Um, are you one thing or another? But I think overall, I really like the juxtaposition, and I'm I'm really a big fan of the ambition of a band that have clearly said we're good at riffs, and we've got these two vocalists here, and we've got this sort of style for our choruses. We're just gonna fucking put it together because that's what we're good at, and this is how it comes across. And I just like it. They they clearly write songs without feeling any pressure to meet, match any fucking rock or metal stereotype at all, and I, and I respect that fucking greatly. Because so many bands are like, okay, well, um, what is everybody else doing? What do we need to do? Every song needs a fucking three-minute breakdown. Every song needs a triplet. Every drummer needs a double kick pedal. You know, and this this band clearly don't feel like that. And I, I respect that. I really respect that. I enjoyed this. Like, it was just a, <laughs> a quite naively enjoyable listen. Uh, it was... It was, it was it's it's I, I haven't experienced this feeling listening to a metal band uh, not even a metal band listen to an album for for this podcast for a very long time um where you actually just enjoy it it doesn't feel like i have to like want to punch people in the throat like do you know what i mean like it, it, absolutely it it, it, it it sends you down a different pathway doesn't it but there's nothing wrong with that pathway in the slightest i i enjoyed i enjoyed this band um i agree with you though 
because of the nature of the industry, the fact that they can't necessarily be put into a bucket will actually probably hold them back. Um, because people will be like, I don't know whether to book them because they're neither this nor that. Um, but if they pick up popularity, man, there's enough people that miss the fucking 90s. I mean, Isn't they're just. You know what I mean? You only have to look at Top Man and River Island and all the fashion that's becoming popular to know that every 20 years we just revert back to what was popular 20 years ago all the time, which is circles. And maybe music's coming that way as well. So I th- there's a place there's a place in this world for Puppy, and I'm happy to be part of it. Do you know what I mean when I say that they're, legit- they're saying like a legitimately alternative band? I agree. Because rock music has become so staccato and, and, and mono... Um, monothematic in the way it's constructed, written and distributed. The, the, a band like this is, is, is a breath of fresh air and they are an alternative because they, they sound a bit like Foo Fighters and they sound a bit like Smashing Pumpkins and those bands are massive and inaccessible at the moment. Like you, you have to pay 80 quid to see Foo Fighters and they're just massive and everyone knows who they are. This is like a, it's a nice band in that direction to add to a to add to a group in terms of sound and tone that has not been added to for a very long period of time. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this very much. Let's drop this score, bro. I am going to go eight. I think this is fucking great, man. What about you? Um, You know what? I, I can't believe we're agreeing again. This is an issue. Two weeks in a row? No. Fuck what the sake. fuck? The world is ending. <laughs> I think this is a very good album. There's room to grow. But for what for what it is, I genuinely enjoyed it. And you know what, bro? I think an eight is just about the perfect score. The album is called The Goat by Puppy. If you're into riffs, listen to it. If you're into 90s music and miss that nostalgic feeling, listen to it. If you're into just feel-good rock songs, listen to it. This album ticks those boxes. Fucking great band, Puppy. And I'm so relieved that Sam's into it. Because I legitimately thought we were going to argue about it. I legitimately thought we were going to argue about it. No, at first, at first, at first when I heard it, it took me by surprise. I was like, what on earth is going on here? Why on earth am I reviewing this band? But, like, as you go into it, it's genuinely, like... It's, like, incredible. Really, really good. Dude, that was a quick hour. That has, uh, that has flown by, man. Just, um, it really has. Man, I could, I could go over that architect show all over again, but we won't put you through that, we promise. <laughs> <laughs> That's we it for this week's show. Our podcast for our special listeners. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is it for this week's show. But we are going to be back next week because, Sam, new Bring Me The Horizon album. Yay! <laughs> We're also going to be reviewing the Fever 333 album. Genuine yay. yay. No, literally, genuinely, yeah, because that album is already out. But I didn't want to drop three album reviews into this week's show um, because it would just—I think that would just be a bit too, uh, a bit, bit, bit too much. So we're gonna do a special podcast next week, just reviewing "Bring Me the Horizon" Fever three three three, nothing else. Now I can tell you right now that Fever three three three, I think, is fucking brilliant, and I am incredibly into it. I can imagine Sam will be as well, but he does like to throw me curveballs every now and again. So <laughs> I hope I hate it. So we never know. Now, I'm quite certain that we're both going to have some strong things to say about the Bring Me the Horizon album as well. So next week's show is going to be quite an interesting listen, I promise you. Indeed it is. Thanks for this week's... Uh, thanks, sorry. thanks for listening to this week's show. Buy our merch, uh, noise.bigcartel.com. Vote for us in the Cardiff Music Awards. We love you. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.